Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. How are we doing at the 1045? If you don't get anything else out of this message, there you go. You can know how to do origami, so it's worth coming to church. Um, I'm so glad you're with us. My name is Bryant, lead pastor. Would you guys welcome in our South Campus right now? And one thing I constantly want to remind you about, we are one church in two locations. Um, I get some of the confusion sometimes. I had uh, somebody this last week was like, did your church split? And which church are you the pastor of? And I'm like, well, that would be weird because they have the exact same names. Um, so, no, we're one church, two locations, and God continues to draw people here who are connected and changed by Jesus. And so even throughout this summer, it continues to grow. And so you have a seat right now, literally, um, because of these two rooms, these two spaces, because people have sacrificed and stepped out in faith and are serving. And so that's why we are one church in two locations um, out of necessity, and we are all about being for the city and connecting people to Jesus. So I say this a lot, but would you give a hand to those people at both campuses right now who are serving and making this happen? It's absolutely incredible. All right, so we're starting a brand new series today, and I think most of you would agree with this, that the soundtrack a lot of times to a movie can make or break the movie. Like, it, it really, it raises, like, what you feel. It draws out emotion. Uh, I mean, it just does things that can either send that movie in one direction or another. In fact, even, like, not-so-great movies can be made a lot better by the soundtrack. So um, here's a couple that are, like, epic. If you don't know these, then I don't know what's wrong with you. But uh, I'm going to play these real quick just so you can wrap your mind around what I'm talking about. But first soundtrack, both campuses, what is it? All right, that was an easy one. All right. They, I think they get harder as we go. By the end of it, um, the last one, like only older people or seasoned people or whatever, like politically t correct term we want to use, we'll get that one. Um, second one. Like that's easy. But like that's a, one of the big things that made that movie. Like how many of you are excited about the reboot or you think they just should have stopped while they were ahead uh, with Lion King? All right. All right. Here's the next one. Let it go for a second. Oh, no. Come on, man. Can we, can we let that play out for a second? All right. So like that, like soundtracks are huge. Like. Rocky defeating Apollo Creed to the newest Taylor Swift, like, single, it wouldn't have worked. Like, you got to have the right fit. Okay, and then here's the last one. A lot of you, like, if your musical tastes are really good, you'll get this. Or if you're older, no offense, you'll get this. Now a lot of you are not going to admit that you know what this soundtrack is. Um, but play this one. Yeah. 
So what is it? Purple Rain. Um, so like the soundtrack is huge. Like those are epic. Purple Rain, what is that, like 30 years ago? And like we just know it even if you're not even 30 years old. Like soundtracks are everything. But here's the reality. Like you have soundtracks even like personally for your life. Song comes on and you think about like what you were driving at the time, who you were dating, um, what was going on in your life, what you were smoking. Um, let's be honest about our crowd. And I know that bothers some of you, but... Let's be honest. Um, but you like memories go back and like you just feel stuff again. Like that's, that's the power um, that they have. Like when I met my wife, and I've told this story before, and it's so offensive because I don't mean to offend Christian school teachers. You're amazing. I'm not describing you. I'm telling you this is what I grew up with. But I have a mutual friend that wanted to um, get us together. And she was a Christian school teacher. And I was like, I'll pass. Um, because I, I pictured her probably making her own ankle-length jean skirt. And, ha- and I'm just telling you, this is me. I'm not saying this is you. We have amazing teachers in here, and you're doing great work. And I'm just saying this is what I grew up with, and I love you. Um, but she had a, a tucked-in polo probably. She's wearing Crocs, and I know those are back, but they shouldn't be back. Um, hair in a bun. And so I'm like, I know that Jesus loves her. I don't think that I'm going to love her. So I'm going to hard pass on the Christian school teacher. And anyway, like, she ended up being way more, like, hip-hop and rap than she did Michael W. Smith, so it was, like, not what I was expecting at all. And so the first summer that we got together, like, this is just, this was playing all the time, and this is what takes me back. This is what I remember over that summer, and it was this. This is the soundtrack of our first summer together. Somebody call 911, shoddy fire burning on the dance floor, whoa. I will stop it there, because I'm not sure where those lyrics are headed. And I'm not advocating. I'm just saying that was, that's what was playing. But, like, it just has this, this power. Like, soundtracks have power for emotions, for just bringing up old memories. And what I want to talk about is the fact that all of us, and this doesn't even matter what you believe in regard to faith. Like, you have a mental and internal soundtrack. And you have multiple, but this is the one that connects all of us. And I don't even have to know you, whether you're on radio, whether you're podcasting, whether you're live streaming, or you're in one of our locations right now, is that all of us have the soundtrack of insecurity. All of us. And it's set to loop. And the circumstances might look different because for you, it's words spoken when you were 17. For others of you, it was your family of origin. It was a business failure. It was like your sister-in-law that you feel like you can't measure up to. It was something that you just struggle with your whole life, and you don't really know how to solve it. But the musical score is the soundtrack of insecurity. And every once in a while, there's something that reminds you, right? And it just loops all over again. Like, And just in fact, look around you right now. Just look around you right now. I know some of you are are too insecure to make eye contact, but look around you right now. Like, this is everybody. And we want to pretend that we don't, and it looks different, and we mask it different, but every single individual at some level has the soundtrack of insecurity that loops in their mind. Now, here's what I want to tell you. In some ways, it's not your fault, because sin is what set play or hit play on the soundtrack of insecurity for all of us. 
And I don't know what you believe about Genesis. I don't have time to describe it, but Jesus believed Genesis. Jesus rose from the grave. We say this almost every week. Go with the guy who defeated death and came back alive. But in Genesis, there's this break in creation where sin enters the world, and suddenly this creator-creation break with all of humanity happens. And in that moment, we have a sneaking suspicion that we're not okay. And it would follow every single generation because when sin entered the world and there was a break between us and our creator, in that moment, we were not enough anymore. In that moment, we were missing something. And it looks different for everybody, but no matter how much we succeed, right? No matter how much we do, no matter how much we get it right in that one area that has haunted us, it just has a tendency to play anyway and to loop anyway. And every once in a while, we're reminded, and it comes back all over again, I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I don't know if I can ever get this right. I don't know if I can ever outrun this past. Now, here's the thing about it, though. Bad news before the good news. You have no ability to fix this. Like, you have no ability to fix this. And all of us have tried. Like, all of us have tried. But you have no ability. A few years ago, um, we had this huge crisis in our home. We were living in a townhouse. Um, my wife was pregnant with our first kid. We have number four on the way in probably the next couple weeks. Um, and we're at this stage of, God, just please get this baby out and let us move on with our lives so you can pray for us. Um, but we um, were pregnant, and she was like late, late term in the pregnancy. And we had this issue, and I know that some of you haven't eaten lunch yet, so I just, but I, this is just what happened. Our upstairs loft started to smell, and this is so embarrassing to even talk about, like urine. Like, it just did. I know you don't know whether to laugh at that or not. It's sad, but it did. Like, it started to smell like urine. And this is before we had two boys. Like, after two boys, it's easily explainable. Those dudes pee on stuff, and in, like, I don't know what, like, hey, could you guys just narrow it in? But they can't. They're just constantly peeing all over the place. So this is before that, and we had this huge issue where, like, we would go up into our loft, and, like, we had no pets. My wife is pregnant. We don't have our first kid yet. I mean, it got to the point where I was just, like, trying to lovingly go, hey, babe, I know it's late in your pregnancy. Are you okay? Are you all right? And, but it was a real issue because we couldn't solve it. Like, we started steam cleaning the carpets. We started washing the drapes. We started literally bleaching the walls. And we're like, how is this possible? We have not let anybody into our home that's urinated in our loft that we know of. We don't sleepwalk. We don't have kids. We don't have pets. Why in the world does this smell like urine? And I'm telling you, you think I'm making this up. We were at the brink of, do we sell this place because we can't live like this? I don't know how this happened, but this is out of control. Why does it smell like this? And then one day I'm walking upstairs to the loft and I start like, it just gets really strong. And I'm like, oh, that's it. Like it's, and I'm starting to narrow down the focus of where this smell has been coming from for literally weeks. And I dial in and like, and it was the candle that we bought from Walmart Weeks ago, that smelled like, I'm like, babe, you bought a urine-scented candle from Walmart. And it wasn't labeled that, but I'm telling you, it was a urine-scented candle. And the problem was, we just keep, we kept buying more of them. Like, we need more candles in here. It smells terrible. Light these things. And the smell just got worse because we were contributing to it. We bought Walmart's version of urine-soaked candles for our home. Like, it was a real problem. And the reason I tell you all that is we spent weeks trying to, trying to just deal with the, and manage the symptoms. Like, we got to shampoo stuff, and we got to wipe stuff down, having no idea the source. 
We had no idea where it was coming from. And for a lot of us, that's the issue with insecurity because we spent our whole lives trying to address the symptoms, how I was raised, how she makes me feel, the fact that I failed at this, the fact that those words still replay in my mind. And we think if I can just like make up for that, if I can just out achieve that, if I can just whatever it is, but we're dealing with the symptoms and we never get to the source because your insecurity didn't originate with you. Your insecurity is something that happened all the way back from the fall, and there's a thread of it in all of us. And if you are ever going to get to the other side, you can't deal with the symptoms of, I just need a better me. I just need to work out because I don't like my body. I just need to out whatever her. And yet you find yourself in a place where the insecurity still haunts you. The insecurity still plays. And there's areas of our life where you look back and go, if I would have known 10 years ago that I would have achieved what I've achieved in maybe this one area, I would have thought I'd be okay. And you're not okay. And other people look at you and think maybe you should be okay. And you're not okay. Like, it's crazy. I mean, and you can look at so many different examples for me as a parent, just to be kind of vulnerable. There's moments where I think I'm pretty good at this. Let's just be straight. There's moments where I think I'm amazing at this. (laughs) And then there's moments like these last two weeks where something goes down and like literally, and this is not me, I'm like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And I'm so scared of where this boy is going to end up as a result of my parenting. And there is so much insecurity in that. Like even this, I I literally get up every series that I start, every message that I start, and I'm like, this is going to suck. And there is so much like, I don't think I have enough. I think I've tapped out. I think my last series was the best series. I don't think I have any more ideas. I'm going to, and literally I come into everyone with this insecurity that no matter how long I've done, it doesn't really go away. No matter how many people listen to it, it doesn't really go away. And I just think, I just don't know if I've got what it takes. I think this is going to suck. And I mean, this, honestly, this is the first message in the series. So this could be the series that's going to suck. I don't know, but it's just always there. And so my whole point in all of this, because some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, is that insecurity ultimately for all of us, it's real, it's daunting, in some cases it's overpowering because it's caused you to run and compensate and hide and be emotionally unavailable even when you're in a crowded room because there's a part of you that's always unavailable. But in the end of the day, it is a paper tiger. And it does not have to overwhelm and dominate your life. You know what a paper tiger is, right? Like it comes from this little Chinese phrase that I'm not going to try to pronounce to you, but here's the urban dictionary definition just to break it down at street level. Something appearing strong or fierce, but in reality, being all show, no substance, weak and nothing to be feared. And for a lot of us, we are fearing something in some area of our life that we have already been freed from. And the thing is, just because you can't fix it and you can't, doesn't mean you can't find freedom from it. But what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning is you have got to switch the soundtrack. And the only way you're going to do that is by going to the source. And here's the reality, and I'm not overplaying this. If you're a follower of Jesus, like you've placed your faith in what Jesus has done, the scripture says this, that you are a son and a daughter of the creator God of the universe. And you have been given a calling. You've been given a will for your life. You've been placed where you are, when you are, for a purpose in this time and space. You have a divine destiny, and not because you enough but because he's enough God wants to do something significant with your life and sees extraordinary potential and you will never see it never realize it never grab a hold of it unless you are able to let go of the paper tiger of insecurity that Jesus comes to say I already died to set you free of that and no no not to 
I, I didn't just take care of sin. I took care of the accompanying emotion of insecurity that says you are not enough because in Jesus you are enough. And he's inviting you today to throw that aside and to step into confidence in him and what he's already done. It's just a paper tiger. And the reality is your Savior came not just to release you from sin, but to unshackle you from the insecurity that accompanies it so that you would go free. But you have got to switch the soundtrack, what you believe, what you listen to. So there's this guy, Moses, you probably know the story. Some of you do. If not, it's fascinating. You should read it. But Moses is born um, basically during this time where the Egyptian empire was the most powerful empire in all of the world. And Pharaoh was the most powerful leader, incredibly insecure. And he basically decrees a toddler genocide to kill all of the um, Hebrew Israelite boys that were two, year old, two years old and under. They were a part of a slave nation under Egypt. And he was afraid eventually of a slave uprising. So he's like, we've got to eliminate this at its source. And so Moses was one of those Hebrew babies that was under this veil of Egyptian oppression. And his mom was so desperate, we kind of miss this sometimes, that she had to stick him in a basket and throw him down the very dangerous Nile River with no floaties. And I hope this works out. Now, come on, imagine how desperate she is. Because his chances of survival in a basket on the Nile River are really low. But if she keeps him at home, his chances of survival are zero. And so she does the only thing she knows to do. She is so desperate. Then she goes kind of creepily hiding in the weeds to the edge, as you would expect a mom to do, to see, is this going to be the most horrific sight of my life as I watch my little boy somehow get, I don't know what's going to happen, or I'm praying that God performs some kind of miracle here. And she sends him down the Nile. And then Pharaoh's own daughter shows up at the Nile River and sees Moses in a basket. And for some reason, she's moved with compassion for this little Hebrew baby that her father is slaughtering. And she takes it in. She finds Moses' mom creepily there at the sidelines of the Nile River and goes, hey, hey, could you, could you raise this baby for me? And she's like, yeah. Totally unbeknownst to Pharaoh's daughter that this is Moses' own mom. And she begins to raise her own son, and then eventually Moses goes into this Egyptian empire. And it's so fascinating because for four decades, he learns under Pharaoh what it looks like to manage and administer something of that size, which is going to serve Moses really well later. And for four decades, he is living large in this empire in Egypt. And then one day, and it's amazing how this works in our life, where Previous to this, like he was not moved in any way. And all of a sudden, like he's just awakened to something that he had never seen. And he realized that, that like I come from these Hebrew people and he watched one of these Hebrew slaves still in captivity get beaten almost within an inch of his life by one of these Egyptians. And immediately Moses is like, I got to do something. And this justice side of him that ultimately led to, I, like, I know I, I shouldn't take somebody out, but I need to take somebody out. And Moses literally kills this guy for oppressing this Hebrew slave. Only problem is next day, Moses is having a conversation with another one of these Hebrew slaves. And he's talking to him. The Hebrew slave is like, hey, what are you going to do to me? Because I watched what you did yesterday when you went Egyptian mafia on this guy. Rolled him up in a rug. Put him in the back of a chariot. Like, is that my fate too? 
And Moses knows, like, this is the moment everything's going to change because his loyalty is going to be questioned and living large in the palace is going to end for him. And so he does the only thing he knows to do. And he runs as fast as he can out of this Egyptian empire and runs to this little place in the middle of nowhere called Midian. And in Midian, he takes a minimum wage job because it's the only thing he had tending sheep, working for a guy by the name of Jethro. And I think I'm safe on this because I've never met a Jethro. If you are listening or in the crowd, I'm going to apologize in advance. But like, you know, the career trajectory has hit a dead end. And like there is no upward mobility when you are tending sheep and your boss, who probably didn't have all his teeth, is named Jethro. Like this is your life. You know what I'm talking about? And like this is, this is where you're going to be. And it's where Moses was for the next four decades. Scared, afraid, running, hiding. He had no social or communication skills, so, so, so he couldn't really even talk well. And he had relegated himself to just giving up on any dream of doing anything significant with his life. And the soundtrack of insecurity for Moses just gets louder and louder and louder and louder because he didn't forget any of the memories to the point that he's willing to die in Midian as a sheep farmer working for Jethro. And here's the thing. There was nothing wrong with being a sheep farmer. But Moses wasn't there because of his calling. Moses was there because of his insecurity, and he'd stayed there for four decades. And I think my question for some of us is, where are you maybe running? Where are you hiding emotionally? Where have you settled? And it's not because God's called you there. It's because of your insecurity. And so God's got to get Moses' attention. And so in Exodus chapter 3, here's what he does. And again, you may know this narrative, and it's going to be on the screen at both locations, but I'd love for you um, to also download the CC app. You can look and play along right there. Are you still with me at the North Campus? Still with me at the South Campus? So now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priest of Midian. So, like, he married the boss's daughter because, like, that's all there is in Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, here's what you need to know as you're studying scriptures. It's so important. Is that when you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, this is Jesus. Like, Jesus shows up on the scene long before Bethlehem. And here he is because he's about to set something in motion that literally is going to change the world. And so there Moses is, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. I know if you're investigating this, this is the weird parts of the scripture. Don't miss the rest of it because of a burning bush. I get it's weird. The, the really good news is I don't think God communicates that way um, very often anymore. I think he's retired that method of communication. So Moses saw that through the bush, it was on fire. It didn't burn up, which is. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and I'm going to see this strange sight and why the bush doesn't burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, this is crazy, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses is like, bush. I, he, here I am. In verse 5, God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. This is so powerful. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. 
And I think we miss this, like it's holy or it's sacred because this is literally the epicenter of God's presence in this moment, as weird as it is, like there God is. But it was sacred for another reason. Because this place is about to be the place where God initiates a promise to Moses that is going to change Moses' life, but it's also going to change human history. And it's at the very point where Moses has been running. It's the very point where Moses has been hiding. It's the very point where Moses has been scared to death and God's going, that's where I want to meet you. Because at the place of your greatest insecurity is where I want to work and it's where I want to show myself to you. Because in this place where you look at all of your past and what you can't do and what you don't have, I want to reveal who I am. That you're not enough, but I am. And I'm pursuing you and I'm with you. And I'm about to initiate a promise that is going to have effects through all of the generations and so this moment of your running and hiding and insecurity is about to become a sacred moment that's going to change you and it's going to change the world and that's what God does in the place maybe even today of your greatest insecurity that represents your running and your hiding and it may not be a burning bush it's not a burning bush it may be something that's burning down And God's going in that, in that marriage, in that thing where you're constantly feeling less than and you don't measure up, the reminders of your failure. He's like, listen, that place, that thing that represents running and hiding is going to become a sacred place because it may be the place where I want to reveal myself to you in ways that you've never seen before, that I am with you, I am pursuing you, I am calling you. And what has only represented your failure is about to represent a sacred place of my calling for your future as you step into who you are in me. And so then he said, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob, just to give you my resume. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Because all the way from the very beginning, when sin enters the world and there's this break and we know in our soul that we're not enough, Insecurity and shame always leads us to hide. Leads us to hide from intimacy. It leads us to hide from risk in certain places. It leads us to hide in terms of being vulnerable, being in a relationship where there's a part of us that's never fully present. It leads us to hide from God's calling. In some cases, it leads us to try to hide from God altogether. And so Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people, Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of these slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. And I've come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land and a land flowing with milk and honey. And then verse 9, and now, and now... And right now, the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And Moses has got to be thinking, and all due respect to the bush that's talking to me that I'm still trying to figure out, now you see that? I saw that 40 years ago. Now you're concerned about their suffering? So you're telling me they've been in this slave occupation. They've been beaten down. They've been there for four decades. I'm a sheep farmer under Midian. And now you're concerned with the suffering? Now that cry has reached you? Like, all due respect, what have you been doing? 
In essence, don't miss this. What God's saying to Moses is, Moses, do not confuse my seeming absence with my inactivity. And God, Moses, do not confuse my silence with absence. And you may not know what I'm doing, and I may seem silent, and I've seen it, seemed inactive, and you can't figure it all out, and it's been four decades, and I understand the confusion, but do not begin to draw bad conclusions in this time and space because you don't know what I'm doing and because I seem silent. Because Moses, here's the reality in the moment, whether you know it or not, I see, and I know, and I hear, and you matter. And some of us are in a place, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a diagnosis of one of our kids, whether this, it's this relationship that we don't know how to move around that constantly is beating us down. It's a failure. It's family of origin. And we can't seem to outrun that past that is multi-generational. And he says to you, do not make the mistake of thinking that because I'm seemingly silent, I'm absent. I know. I see I hear, and you matter. And so God, verse 10, says to Moses, like, I see and I know, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And this is just so real and why I love the scripture. But Moses said to God, who, who am I? Why? Again, what are you thinking? Like, do you know where I came from? Do you know my track record? Like, who am I that I would go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Like, again, all due respect, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know how I left things four decades ago? Do you know what I'd be walking back into? Do you know the experience level that I've accumulated over the last four decades? Like, you know how much experience I have in going into oppressive regimes and leading out slave people to start a nation? That would be zero experience. Like, who am I? And I love this. I love this. This is what God often does because he doesn't answer Moses' question directly. In fact, he's like, Moses, you're asking the wrong question question, so I'm not even going to answer it. You don't even know what to ask right now. Because what you think you need right now is more information about you. Like, hey, no, no, Moses, you got this, bro. Moses, you're going to be able to do this. Moses, the skills are there. Moses, you need to begin to just start talking to yourself over all of the things that you are. And I'm telling you, you'll begin to change. It'll begin to be different. Like, you just need to remind yourself, Moses, you're enough. You got this. God doesn't say that. Because what Moses needs to know about Moses right now has nothing to do with Moses. For some of us, we're in a place and we're looking at the symptoms of our insecurity and where they came from. And we're constantly trying to deal with the symptoms. I just need to be better. I just need to undo what my dad did. I just need to get more fit. I just need to whatever. And yet the symptoms don't shut down the soundtrack and it just follows you. And God's going, that's not going to solve it because the problem didn't originate there. The problem originated long before you. And so in this moment, God is saying to Moses, Moses, what you need to know about you has nothing to do with you. And so verse 12, God said, Moses, dumb question, I'm not gonna answer it. I'll be with you. Your source of confidence, Moses, isn't you. It's me. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I really have the skills to be able to do this. You don't. I'm with you. But, but I, I, don't, I don't think I have the courage to be able to follow through with this or, or raise these kids or go into Egypt. I, you don't. 
Moses, I'll be with you. The invitation, Moses, is I'm giving you me. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you what you lack. I'm giving you all of the things right now that are looping the soundtrack of insecurity all over again. It's in verse 13, like Moses, because this is real and this is what we do. It's like, okay, I'm hearing you, but I, I still need more. So Moses is like, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Like, what shall I tell? What, what do I tell them when they ask me for a name? I love this. This is, God is so savage. And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And Moses is like, you don't have to get sarcastic. That's a good question. I, like, I need, here's what Moses is asking. I need some kind of street cred. Like, I need something that qualifies me, and I get what you're saying, but that's not going to help me when I venture out into this thing. Like, what qualifies me? I am who I am. And then the end of the verse. Okay, Moses, you're still not understanding the question. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That's all you need. I am. What do you mean? Like Moses, this is what's going to qualify you. This is the answer to why you're hiding in Midian. And come on, don't miss this. All of the narratives in Scripture, they're never just about the moment. God's always doing something bigger. And what God's revealing in the moment is not just about Moses. It's about everybody that would come behind Moses and what he was about to do several thousand years after this. And so here's what God knows and why this is intentionally open-ended. Because the symptoms of insecurity are different for all of us. The symptoms of insecurity from your childhood, from your college years, from the fact that socially things are just not like other people, the fact that she was sent into your life and you constantly feel small, the, the thing that happened when your dad, when you were 13, all of the symptoms of insecurity are different for all of us, but it's all the same solution. He's going, I don't care what started it, it originated with a break in creator-creation relationship where you're not enough, and this is just the symptom of the not enough, and the answer and the solution solution to what you need is I am. The symptoms are all over the place. The solution is the same. And so in this moment, he's saying to Moses and to you, I am whatever you need, whenever you need it. Well, I'm not sure that I have the strength to be able to do that. I feel so weak in this area. I am your strength. Well, I don't know if I can raise these kids because I haven't seen it modeled and I, I'm in a single parent home. I never grew up with a dad. I am a father to the fatherless. Where you're not, I am. I don't think that I have enough. You don't. I'm enough for you. I don't think I can move forward with this. I'm so afraid. I know I am your courage. I am defines who you are. And in this moment, God is saying to Moses, listen, Moses, I know you don't have what it takes. I know you can't do this. I know you can't accomplish this. And you looking at you is not going to help the situation. You got to look at something outside of you. You don't need a better you. You need me. I am everything that you need. That's what qualifies you, Moses. And Moses in this moment has no idea the implications because a couple thousand years later, Jesus is going to show up on a river bank by the Jordan. And he's going to be baptized by John the Baptist. And when he comes up out of the water at the start of his ministry, a voice from heaven and from his heavenly father speaks over him. This is my son. 
in whom I'm well pleased. And it was this declaration of if you want to know what God's like, if you want to know what God thinks, if you want to know how God views you and views culture, just look at my boy. Because all of God is crammed into him, God in a body, walking planet earth, it's all found in Jesus. And then Paul comes along, this guy in the New Testament, a few years later, and he writes this to a little church in Galatians, and he says, I have been crucified, Greek term, past event, ongoing implications. I have been crucified with Jesus or with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And what Paul's saying is, I have been defined my entire life by sin and the accompanying emotion of insecurity, but that is no longer my identity. And it doesn't mean that I don't operate in that space because sometimes I'm still giving in to the paper tiger of insecurity. I'm still allowing sin to rule me, but I just want you to know that's no longer my identity any longer. And when I do that, I'm stepping outside of who I really am and it's an identity crisis. But if you wanna know who I really am because of my faith in Christ, I don't live in who I used to be, doesn't live anymore, but instead Jesus' life lives in me. And then he says this, the life I now live in the body, like on planet earth day to day, I live by faith in Jesus, the son of God, don't miss this, who loved me and gave himself. The purchase price always determines the value. The purchase price always determines the value. You can put it up on Facebook Marketplace all day long. If they don't pay it, it's not worth that. The purchase price always determines the value. And Paul's going, Jesus came and he loved me so much. He gave himself for me. He gave up his life on the cross that literally I was worth his life because he died for me. And now through faith and what he did on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, he's giving me not just forgiveness, He's giving me his very life and the promise is, I'm gonna give you me, I'm gonna give you my life, I'm gonna give you my right standing, I'm gonna put back together what was fractured, I'm gonna give you my achievement and my worth, so now when your heavenly father looks at you, despite what is happening around you and what you are doing to yourself, he says about you, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased, and it has nothing to do with you and what you've done and what you've earned and what you're accomplished it has everything to do with what he is accomplishing and now he has given you the benefits of his life so when he looks at you he says one day you're going to measure up to this standard even if it's in heaven but until then you just need to know when I see you I see my life and I'm well pleased with you not because of you but because of what Jesus has done for you and you have a new identity and you have a new loop and you have a new soundtrack and you need to switch the soundtrack begin to understand what I have already given you and if you do it'll change everything it's south camp it's it's as if your savior looks at you today to go i see something in you that you don't see i see me i see you as an image bearer of me we want to think god's looking down it's like yeah no he does see something in me no no you in and of yourself he sees nothing in you what he sees in you is himself. You are made in the image of God, that you are worthy of rescue, that you have extraordinary potential. And if you could ever be awakened and switch the soundtrack to believe that, it would change your life. And some of us, can we just be honest on radio, on live feed, podcast, in the rooms today, like you're in a place right now where you have been running and hiding for a long time. 
In fact, some of you are in a place right now where you've run to, and it has nothing to do with God's calling. It has everything to do with your insecurity. Some of you will not step out with what you know that God's been prompting you to do for three years. Some of you are hiding within your own home. Some of you are trying to make up and outdo, and if I could just become better. And you're at a place right now where you are absolutely exhausted, and you feel like you cannot keep up. And Jesus says to you, come to me. Meaning the invitation is me. I'm giving you me. We're not talking about symptoms. We're talking about the source. This didn't originate with you. You can't fix it, but I can. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what your soul longs for. I'll give you rest from the exhausting insecurity that is weighing you down. So come on. You're not enough. You're not okay. And Jesus says, but I am. So here I am. Just come to me. It's about me. It's about what I've done. It's about what I am offering you. And so come on. I just want to end with this question in just a second. Who are you going to believe and what are you going to believe? Because here's the reality. You become what you believe. Not this weird idea of if I just have faith, it becomes reality. God has already said it's reality. And so many of us are settling for forgiveness, but we lack freedom. And he's like, I never, ever called you to live a life where you're forgiven, but you're not freed. And you don't know who you are in me. And so you need to begin to believe what I've already said. And the more you believe what I've already said, the more you will step into your identity to begin to act like who you are, that we should be the most humble people on the planet, but we should be the most confident people on the planet. There is nothing for me to fear. I do not need to fear you. I do not need to fear failure. I do not need to feel, feel success. I do not need to fear the future. I do, do not need to hide. I do not need to be relegated to this place where I'm just running my entire life. I serve a resurrected king who lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I should have died, has given me his life. And so I'm the most confident person on the planet to go. I know who I am and who I am is not based on me. Who I am is based on who he is and who he is defines who I am. And you've got to switch the soundtrack because for a lot of you, you talk to yourself every day more than anybody else talks to you. And you've got to switch the soundtrack playing in your mind. And you need to create a new loop and a new musical score that begins to speak over your life what is actually true about you. And you need to get to the place to walk out of here or wake up tomorrow to go, listen, I am because of who, because of who he is. I, I'm going to declare over my life, I am a son and daughter of the creator God of the universe. I am able. I am enough. I am created for a purpose. I am significant, not because of me, but because of him. And so I'm setting a new loop because Jesus said, I am inviting you into my life. I'm inviting to give you me and me and who I am defines who you are. You got to switch the soundtrack. And let me just end with this. Like, what if it's possible that you are where you are right now? And this place that brings up all that insecurity is the very place where God says, you have enough, you're able, you have the courage to do what I'm asking you to do. 
It's Moses, before he goes out, he's still trying to wrap his mind around all of it for good reason. He's like, I, God, I'm just still not getting it. I, I don't know how this is going to take place. The, the task is daunting. God's like, what do you have in your hand? A, a piece of wood? Staff? To serve me well in a minimum wage job under Jethro, but it's not going to help me take down an empire. And Jesus is like, no, no, what's in your hand? A staff? I can breathe power into that that ultimately can be enough to bring an empire and the most powerful leader in the world to his knees and lead out a slave people who would become a nation who would see God reveal himself and ultimately would produce a Messiah that would save the world and the great I am would come in human flesh in the form of Jesus and it's gonna change everything. And all you need to do right now is take what you have in your hand because what place in your hand is all you need to do what I'm calling you to do. Where you're not, I am. And for some of you, it's not like some massive calling where you're going to fight injustice that's going to change the world or lead people out of bondage. What you need to look down and see is in struggling with that special needs child and you don't know how you're going to make it forward. Just look at what's in your hand. And God says, I've given you everything you already need to do what I'm calling you to do. It's a marriage where you know you're called to stay. And you have no idea how you are going to keep getting up and being faithful in that marriage. And God's going, you have everything you already need in your hand to do what I'm calling you to do. And maybe this place of your greatest insecurity is where I want to show off to you. And today, that place where you've been running, that place where you've been hiding, that place where you've been relegated to fear, scared to death, may be a sacred place where God's going, I wanna reveal myself there where you feel the weakest so that you would know I'm enough for you when you're not enough. I am pursuing you. I am giving you my life. You are everything that I've said about you. And if you begin to switch the soundtrack, it will begin to change you in ways that you could never imagine. And right here, where it's your place of greatest embarrassment, I wanna create a sacred place that's gonna be the catalyst for everything I wanna do with your future. But you gotta come to me. Would you guys stand with me at both locations right now and um, stay where you are as much as possible if you can in the room and just be mindful of the fact that for some, this is the moment where God's moving and God's working and this literally is a sacred place and sacred moment for them with nobody looking around because I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. For some of you, there's a place in your life where you know that you've been hiding and you've been running or you've been compensating or you've been trying to just do better and you keep hearing the loop of the soundtrack of insecurity and today you need to trade it in for a new soundtrack and you need to begin to speak and worship and say over your life that where you are not, he is. That the great I am is inviting you out of where you are to believe what he said over your life. And so if there's an area like that in your life at either of our campuses, if you're listening somewhere, would you just declare that by lifting up a hand and going, man, there's an area where I need to switch the soundtrack starting today to begin to believe what God has already said and already declared over my life. And others of you, there's something daunting in front of you and you're doubting your ability or God's ability to see you through, and you need to begin to look at what God has already give you, given you that God wants to breathe power and life through. And would you just declare with a lifted hand to go, man, I just need to believe God in those areas where I just don't see how I'm gonna move forward, believing that he's gonna take what's already in my hand to do what he has already called me to do. If that's you at either campus, would you just lift up your hand right now? 
And as we get ready to pray with nobody looking around, I just, I just want you to contemplate this question. Like, what is your insecurity standing in the way of? Like Moses had no idea that he would rescue a nation, that he would reveal the power of God to generations, that he would be the fulfillment of a promise that would birth a kingdom, that would produce a king, that would end up being the king of kings, the ruling and reigning savior, the great I am. He had no idea when it came to a call to rescue a group of slave people that that would be the moment that would prepare the way for the great I am to rescue the world. In that moment, it was just a burning bush. In that moment, it was just a place of running and hiding. Moses had no idea what stood in the way, what his insecurity was blocking. And my question for you is, what divine destiny is being hindered because of your insecurity? And the answer to the question, like Moses, is you have no idea. You have no idea what God wants to do. So Jesus, I just pray over those who are listening right now, those who are tuning in at either campus, those in the room right now, that you would begin to set them free even in this moment. That they would begin to switch the soundtrack in such a way that what you've said, who you are, would begin to permeate not just their thinking, but would move to their heart and begin to change their life. And I pray this in the incredible and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Both campuses, would you be seated right now? Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.